the shit, I might just pass it up. Put it so deep, she like I had enough. Fuck it up there, fuck it up there. Tell your ex nigga, get his money up there. Nigga so mad, try to run up on the kid. Gonna make me put a gun up to his wig. I don't got one, but I rap like one. AK-47 with a scope and a gun. I'm coke when it hits, I'm dope as it come. I'm cracking the pot, I'm a tap in the tongue. You last, I'm the one, I'm a smash and I'm done. Need a grand on me like after my son. Nigga so high like a rapture son. Sell it, give me face like glasses of sun. Running so crazy like masters of sun. I just wanna get my cash up your dick. You tell the fuck boy just the back of your dick. Mad cause this girl came after the dick. Midnight Climax. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, we fucked that up already. All right. Goddamn. We just did it. Midnight Climax. We're back at it. Uh, it's your me, your host, Ryan, and my co-host, my best friend, Internet's number one cam girl, Alex. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Not, not a cam girl, but how are you? Hey, man. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. I don't know what your premium subscribers are doing these days, but whatever they want to call you, whatever your fan base is going by now, that's fine by me, man. Yeah, not a cam girl, but that's that's we'll work with it. Well, whatever the politically correct term is, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, what? Um, this has been a busy, busy week. Like I said, we're finally kind of caught up timeline wise with the podcast. We had like a huge uh, backlog of stuff we were just kind of waiting through and just seeing if it worked, and just just me like learning editing in just the worst way. I was like speeding up tracks. I was I was just fucking with the audio. I am. I think the theme of the show is really just going to be what we said last week. It's just I am not a professional in any sense. But um, what's been going on for you this week, man? What's going on? Uh, I've just been going to work. Uh, went hiking last weekend. Uh, really not not much. It's been a pretty chill week so far. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, I think uh, I've just been trying to keep up with work. Trying to, you know, just, just generally stay employed. Just, just do all the stuff I got to do. You know, exciting shit. Just, I mean... So I think uh, today we're, I guess the hot hot ticket, hot button news thing is really just going to be just, just politics. I, I We avoided it for the longest time, but I think it's about time we step into... My whole, my, whole, my whole shit's been fucking up. My whole... See, I spend all this money on a goddamn soundboard, and I can't even get my... Oh, here we go. Yes, yes, yes. I've been, I've been looking for that air horn for far too long. Far too long. But anyways, yeah, so we're going to talk about filing politics. It t- took us nine episodes to actually kind of like dig into some stuff. But, I mean, it's kind of the only thing you can talk about for now. Um, what, what's been going on? Oh, the VP thing. How did we not touch on that? 
Oh, Kamala yeah, Kamala. Harris. Congrats to Kamala, Kamala Harris, first uh, black VP, uh, female uh, running mate, whatever it is. Uh, this is a, this is a big uh, stepping stone. This is a big uh, good or bad. If you're against her politics, if you're for her politics, it's a I don't know. I, w- I, w- I would say some sort of progress, forwards, backwards, whatever you want. We're 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 we're, we're moving. You know. Um. What, any 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 opening? Any any hot takes? Any quick quick lines for Kamala? What what, what do you think of the nomination? I mean, uh, it's really interesting. She's uh, half Indian, half Jamaican. Both of her parents are immigrants, uh, women of color. So, I mean, that's a first in terms of um, uh, being the vice presidential uh, candidate for a major party in the United States. At the same time, she's got a pretty controversial past. Uh, the work as a district attorney and attorney general is a New York Pine, uh, New York Times uh, opinion piece uh, uh, discussing about. Um, what she's done, basically, how uh, how she handled some cases in terms of uh, maybe evidence that could have potentially, uh, you know, uh, cleared the name of some people. But, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting to take a look at. We'll see if that uh, – I don't think that's going to have an effect. I mean, most people aren't even bringing it up anymore. But, right, yeah, the discussion right. has so really changed. We see as this kind of unfolds a little bit – I sh- I should start by saying, obviously – her 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 background as uh, uh, a w- woman of color from from immigrant parents and all that stuff it's a huge accomplishment but obviously she's a lot bigger than just her demographic just her fact that she's a woman just the fact that she's uh, uh, mixed race uh, black Indian stuff like that but um, it's very interesting just kind of the way this nomination came about um, all her credentials aside in March we actually heard from Biden while he was still. Uh, in the running to even win this nomination, he said, oh, if I get the nomination for president, I can tell you that my uh, vice president, whoever that will be, is going to be a woman. So right off the bat, he kind of made some weird kind of like qualification for just the demographics of whatever that job is. And it's it's it, 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 uh, people could take multiple kind of things from that, like uh, one that he's he's actively trying to put uh, a new face in that role and he's actively trying to take a step in like a like a more progressive direction sure uh there's also people that are saying like oh him just picking her because she's a woman is an issue in itself and what does that have to do with her job like obviously yeah she's been a been a like a career politician she had work as a uh ag she had work as the district attorney she had work in in politics clearly before this she didn't just like just step off but um we're we're, we're seeing now that uh I mean, identity politics, stuff like that is has never been more kind of visible than we're seeing right now. Because these are now not only is it like, OK, it's very important historically for women to be getting these positions or, or people of color to get these positions, of course. But now we're seeing it as more of like a like strategy in, in like the political landscape where picking these people is specifically to be on a ticket. I think we first saw that. um when uh, John McCain picked up uh, Sarah Palin as as his counterpart, and that that could have actually lost him the election because people she was a lot more unpopular than he was at that time, which was 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 pretty crazy considering he was John McCain at that time too. You know what I mean? So there there's a lot of uh, takeaways that you can try to go into, like what that pick actually means. But um, I mean, yeah, substantially like. You know, you take a look at uh, Sarah Palin, you know, 
I mean, choosing a woman for the sake of choosing a woman is like saying like, all right, well, I'm going to choose a woman as my running mate, correct? You know? Right, right. I mean, if you choose Sarah Palin, that's a different, you know, woman than Kamala Harris. You know, women have different political opinions, obviously. And, you know, uh, ultimately, that true, we though? need to do, judge do, do, people do based women on their have, opinions. Do, do women generally have different political opinions than men? Is that like a... Just, just, no, I mean, women... women I mean, individuals, you know, like, oh, like, like, as a I guess, like, depends like, on, yeah, it depends on okay, the candidate, okay, obviously. At the end of the day, you know, we have to judge the candidate, you know, even if it's a woman or a man, we have to judge them based on their positions and based right. on what policies they're advocating for. Right. I think at the time he was making like the strategic move to say that, oh, I'm not just some old dopey white man. I'm going to pick progressive people for the cabinet and stuff like that. And that's generally what he was saying for in, in, in that in that speech, in that little soundbite. But I think he would have done a lot better if he didn't comment on the VP thing and then just picked her anyways. Because now, because he, he announced all this in March that he was going to pick a woman as his vice president. And from March up until now, everyone was like, okay, uh, here are like the list of like prominent female politicians that he could pick. Here are some uh, women of color. Here are some white women. Here are some Democrats. Here are some just uh, people from like like swing states and stuff like that. So he... he it, it kind of like narrowed down who it was before he even actually made the decision. He, honestly, he, he could have made the decision back when he was still an opponent of Kamala Harris, but we, we, we're, obviously we're never going to know that. But for something like this, it's very interesting. So if he just never said, oh, I'm going to pick a woman, and he we had all these other people in the running kind of still, like, oh, he could have had uh, like any any male politician, anyone else along with her, and then he picked her over them, I think that probably would have said even more about her and I guess about his... Uh, confidence in her as opposed to like oh this is just the pool of women and pick from this small small little group you know what i mean yeah i don't know i think i think it's really interesting how uh maybe less than a year ago biden wasn't doing so hot in the primaries all of a sudden he's uh he's the front runner nobody i don't know nobody maybe a lot of people have saw it coming you know but now he's the front runner and uh he poke uh he put a uh, kamala harris as his uh running mate who had a lot of um strong words for him in the debate. I do want to talk about that because she was a primary opponent of him like pretty early on. So every time um like 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 the like the president's party is is running for like re-election, uh the other party pretty much has like I mean we 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 saw it this time especially there was like what like 20 people for the democratic uh race running at the same time to start with. A lot of whom were like pretty well known, some that pe- some people like barely know at all. And Biden, obviously, the previous vice president, very well known. Um, he was kind of like just expected to be a front runner just from the start. Um, I don't know if he was necessarily like a better politician than any of those other ones. But I think it's really interesting that he kind of just was a familiar face long enough to just like outlast everyone. And Kamala Harris was in debates that he was involved in. She was critical of him. She was actually... Um, skeptical of his some of the allegations against him he he was accused of uh i guess unwanted touching from like seven different women in uh the last maybe like six months or so uh, uh out of incidents that took place over the course of his career allegedly or did or didn't happen whatever it was but um she was quoted as saying not that she thinks he's like a rapist so and so or like a racist or anything like that but she was like yeah i believe some of the accusers and this was before he even got to that level and she, she she was critical of him in debates. He accused her of like mischaracterizing him or like kind of like pigeonholing him and like putting him in, in like a spot that he she just kind of like, 
I don't want to say that she she, like, she 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 judged him or just like kind of put him into stereotypes or something like that. But he accused her of of like uh, like overlooking him and and just uh, just 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 speaking out of character for for him, which is I mean pretty tame in terms of like Democrat stuff goes. I mean they're they're not going to outright like insult each other like Republicans do, but they were like full on opponents for at least. Six to nine months, something like that. Would you say, like, while the race, the Democratic uh, nominee race, was at full swing, right? Yeah, I don't know. What's What's interesting to me is that all the other um, front runners in the primaries, uh, you know, like you had Pete Buttigieg, uh, you had uh, Klobuchar. I mean, I can't even remember their names anymore. It's been so long and so many things changing, but they all end up dropping out before Super Tuesday. Biden right. gets uh, a huge win. Uh, Bernie Bernie's not doing so hot after that. Right, and, right, uh, right. Biden ends up getting the within the coming months ends up getting the nomination. So well, what's what's also interesting for this nomination in particular is that if Biden gets elected president, he will be the oldest sitting president by a long shot because before him, the oldest president is as we know Trump. Trump got elected when he was seventy years old, and people are like, "Oh my god, he's a fossil. He's the oldest guy ever." And Biden is starting off eight years older than he started off. So you can talk about whatever it is you want. But at the end of the day, there is a like non-zero chance that something could happen to him or he can get sick or he can get incapacitated or whatever. And he can't fulfill the duties as the president. And that VP is now the president. So we're not just talking about a running mate. We're talking about a potential successor. You know, how bizarre is this that like, all right. So, you know, Biden ends up winning the primaries. And like, to be honest, I mean, for so far as what I've seen, you know, people are really passionate about Bernie. People were passionate about the other, you know, uh, front runners in the, in the primary People aren't really passionate about Biden, I think. You know, nobody's like a huge Biden stan, right? And it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting how like everybody's like, oh, now Kamala Harris is the vice president. Huge media attention for Kamala Harris. And uh, it, for a while, it was like, it's the Kamala Harris campaign, you know, like we're voting for Kamala Harris. But I mean, we're, we're, we're shifting attention back to Biden in the media coverage slowly, but... At the same I, time, I, I don't think like, I don't think interesting is the right word. I think infuriating is the right word because no matter what side of the politics you fall on, we're talking about ever since. All right, so ever since Biden got the nomination for the Democratic uh, guy, he the, like the the number one dude. He's the front runner. He's he's going to be who they put against Trump. Ever since he won, like clearly clearly won, they were like, okay, well. There were so many like qualifiers. They're like, okay, well, he's not our favorite. He's got some qualities we don't like. He's got some allegations. He's got whatever, but he's not Trump, or it's it's what we need right now, or it's important right now. So he's a good guy. He's got a good heart. At least he's not Trump, which you can say for literally every single person in the country except Trump. Because yeah, I mean, technically Mike Pence isn't Trump. Technically, Donald Trump Jr. isn't Trump. Like, that's such a bad... Melania Trump is not Trump. Right. Like, that's such a bad way to, like, qualify someone to be the leader of the free world. It's absolutely asinine that that's what they're going on. Like, oh, anyone but Trump. I'm like, just the fact that we even have to have this discussion. They're like, yeah, I guess Trump against anyone, you wouldn't want that. But you also said the same thing four years ago, and that didn't work out then. And I think I think Hillary really... I mean, could take a lot of blame for this because she was probably the only person that could have lost to a guy like Trump because she took such a huge lead, at least as far as the media was concerned and as far as like the general public was concerned. Because like leading up to the 2016 uh, like like uh, election, what, what was everyone saying? Like nine out of 10 chance that she was going to win. Like there's 
people were like sitting back, not worried at all. And part of that is people showing up to the polls. Part of that was people like kind of like, I don't know, just sleeping on them or just media coverage messing up. But a lot of that is like they're like, oh, obviously we don't like this guy. So anyone else will do. And clearly we're, we're finding out more and more that that's not the case. Every kind of candidate has to stand on their own. Being elected because you're not the other guy, it's not a reason to get elected, whether you like him or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a weak, a weak position to run on. Basically, like, hey, you're you're not Trump. Rather than, like, what are you going to do for the country or, I guess, your positions? I feel like a lot of people don't even know what, you know. Yeah, I mean, do you like, know yeah, sure, a lot Biden, of, like. Biden's positions have gone a little more to, I guess, he's made some statements which sound like he's made some compromises with well do you know any like biden centric or biden specific policies that he's taking i mean obviously he's he's on the democratic ticket he's going to follow most of what his party does but do you know any policies individually that he's pushing really i mean i i I haven't followed politics like super closely or this election super closely but what is his do, do we know what his like big standout feature is that uh his contemporaries didn't have like warren didn't have or like just the other like harris didn't have at the time when she was running like, is, is, is there one or is he just going to toe the line the same way every other party leader is going to toe their line? I mean, like, that's an interesting point. Compare that to maybe Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren talking about a student loan forgiveness was a huge right, one. Bernie right. Sanders or talking even if about you Medica- go the other way, Medicare for all. Yeah, right. Even if you want to go the other way and say Trump, Trump was, uh, I mean, his, his <laughs> he, he talked about a wall that still hasn't gone up for two years. He was like, yep, I'm going to build a wall. Mexico's going to pay for it. He had a bold face like lie or just uh, uh something that he wanted to happen and didn't happen as is in pretty much his entire platform and when people thought of trump they thought of the wall or they just thought of him as the celebrity but he was very distinct from the other candidates on the republican uh race you know what i mean so it's not like uh people were like up oh, he's the last one no he was it, 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 there was a very clear race for the republican nominee in 2016 and he like insulted his way to the top he was on the news every single day he was the most well-known face there by a long shot he took up so much screen time he barely even had to pay for advertisements because like i said he was on the news every single day he was trending every single day and you don't need yeah, to spend money like when you're winning stuff, yeah like literally every day so biden just simply outlasting all the other candidates it's frightening because we just really don't know as much about him as we want to know because there are other people like uh, Bernie Sanders had a lot of uh, policies that he was behind that, pe- that he was trying to push or he's trying to bring in. Uh, he was known as like the socialist candidate, which isn't even really true if you consider like like European countries or other like uh, westernized countries that are like far more liberal than even our most liberal people are. So, but he, but he, he was very distinct and he had, uh, I don't know. I mean, that might, that might be more divisive. I guess maybe Biden's strength is that he's just like the least offensive or the least, uh, polarizing out of the rest of them. But like I said, that's, it's more of like a vanilla kind of like excuse than, oh, this is our guy. This is who we want. He's the best of the best. He beat all these other guys. I think he just kind of like stuck around. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It was just like, I don't know. All the candidates like sacrificing themselves for right. the Biden win. And there were like, I mean, in the weeks prior to that, there were like certain think tanks which were proposing that all the candidates should unite behind Biden because that will be more of a a centrist uh, candidate rather than Bernie Sanders. And well, they're Biden's looking out been, for their own interests ultimately. Right. Well, Biden's been in politics for what? I, th- I think it was like 47 years, like since he was like 30 years old. The first time he ran for president was in 1988. 
and he dropped out of the race because he was being accused of plagiarizing. So, like, he didn't even have his own personality then. He wasn't making his own speeches and, like, jumping on his own platform. Then he was, like, taking speeches from, like, I think it was, like, British guys or, like, old Kennedy speeches or something like that. But that's what that's what cost him the, the race in 1988. It's, it's, Speaking it's crazy. of speeches, have you, have you heard his, uh, his DNC speech? Um, I have a little experience with, uh, I'll, I'll say the atmosphere around that, but if, if, you, you probably know more than I do about the actual speech. Cause I, I was kind of a little, little, little tied up at the time. So, so go ahead with your, what we got. Yeah. I haven't really like listened to it. You know, I've, I've read the transcript, you know, you know, fairly quickly, but it's really funny. All of these, uh, he refers to himself as an ally of the light, not the darkness. Uh, that is there's, superb. there's a there's a part in the speech where he says <laughs> quote for love is more powerful than hate hope is more powerful than fear and light is more powerful than dark so i mean he's really setting himself up to be like a disney protagonist or he's a, a, jedi. a jedi knight i love it he's a <laughs> jedi knight yeah <laughs> i mean so i i heard uh I, I didn't hear the actual speech um i heard like reviews of the speech people saying it's like one of the best joe biden speeches i guess that he's ever made but like i said this is also joe biden we're talking about he he he, he talked about like his leg hair in the primaries like he, t- he had like weird old speeches from like when he was a child in like the 30s i don't know like I, we really yeah. don't know too much about this guy we're really um i, I wouldn't say we don't i mean obviously these people are not more, a lot more informed a lot more educated than you and i but i think just the general consensus of joe biden is really just he lasted the longest and he's 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 the guy so everyone's kind of like just just turn into heel toe and like, all right, we got to just back him 100%. We can't have Trump win. Oh, well, that's the other thing. So <laughs> there, there's a huge um, – I, I have a huge problem with the Democratic National Convention, Republican National Convention. As we're recording this, a uh, little inside baseball, we are recording this – what is this, Wednesday? This is during like the middle of the Republican National Convention, and uh, – I, I, I got to tell you, I'm 26. I, I've only been around for a few conventions every four years, whatever it is. But I really can't even really tell you what a national convention of a party really is and what it does and what the significance of it is. Because it really, from, from an outside perspective, it sounds like somebody kind of just threw a party for themselves. They got all their friends together. They start patting themselves on the back. They start clapping for themselves. This is not a place where anyone's like winning new votes. This is not a place where... We're making strides or we're finding out what people's platforms are. Pretty much we had a couple of nominations. We had Kamala do her acceptance speech of the VP. We had Biden do his expression, uh, uh, his uh, exception speech of the uh, presidential ticket. And we had like just a couple other people like vouch for him, like, like his family and his spouse and stuff like that. And then we see on the Republican side, uh, Trump, Trump is, is speaking a few different times. He's having like half of his entire extended family talk for him. And I don't know what any of this is for. Like, who, who is supposed to be watching this? And I'm like, oh, great. This is what we need. More people congratulating themselves on whatever this election is going to actually be. I don't, I don't, I can't really, I don't really know. Who's watching the convention, honestly? Are there any swing voters watching the convention? I feel yeah, like who swing is, voters who is like, on aren't the interested fence? in watching the convention. Who is on the fence? Like, we should really figure out who the candidate is going to be like i that, that's got to be a very interesting because i i know there's someone i mean th- this is a very polarized country politically like people are very hard one way or hard the other way but there's got to be someone like hmm 
Let's see what's on television tonight. Oh, Joe Biden is speaking tonight. I'm, I've decided who I'm going to vote for. Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be him. I think Trump's on in a couple of days. We can, we can, we can kind of compare both. Like that's, it's such a, like I said, I don't, I just don't know who, who the audience of something like this would be. No, people aren't watching what's like the speech. People are watching the media coverage of the speech. They're, they're listening for sound bites, you know. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think most people, maybe the majority of people, have made up their their minds already. And I'm pretty well, sure there are maybe that? like a like, few people who. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I think. Um, oh, I should give a little little background. So, for the Democratic uh, National Convention, they had the interesting idea, you know, with all the COVID restrictions and quarantines and social distancing and stuff like that. They had the brilliant idea to instead of doing a one singular kind of in person uh, national convention where everyone's together in like a big stadium and they clap and they high five and they kiss babies and all that stuff they had like a series of uh remote tapings that kind of came into a singular program that was like directed and kind of put together as if it's like a, a cohesive thing so i think originally the whole thing was supposed to take place in milwaukee if everything was done the right way and there was no virus so and so but uh Part of it was in Milwaukee. Part of it was in other states. Most of it was done like over Zoom or Skype or whatever the the, the filming medium that they're using is. And uh, Joe Biden actually gave his acceptance speech in uh, Delaware, in Wilmington, like around where I am. So I, uh, I, f- I forgot that it was happening because we had some stuff going on at work and I got a little tied up, whatever. I mean, I, I wasn't really going to watch it anyways. I'm not, I'm not the guy to be like getting popcorn and cheering for these people anyways. But so he, uh, we thought it was like the chase center, which is like a big kind of like stadium that he was going to do that. But that didn't make any sense because it, he, it was going to be for an audience of no one. So I think it was like a convention, like a small convention center outside of the chase center or like just in that region. And, uh, it was, it, he ga- basically, he gave his speech in front of like a bunch of reporters. There were no like crowds, no, no one in the stands, nothing like that. So it, there wasn't like applause breaks or anything like that. As you would see in like a state of the union address, it was just him saying, all right, I accept the nomination for president, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to run. And then he had the whole speech that you we were just talking about. But um, because he came back to Delaware to do the acceptance speech, um, so also came the Secret Service. There was a bunch of uh, police, like, uh, like kind of like guarding the area, as, as, as you would for any, anyone who's like reached that level. Um, just kind of like security measures everywhere. Um, of, of course, all that was followed by demonstrations from both Republican side and the Democrat side. But it's very interesting because my question to you, Alex, is do you think it's a better idea to have just one convention center where everyone's like trading germs or kind of 30 small conventions where just mind you and anywhere any of these things are going on, there is a tailgate outside of wherever that Skype interview is because I'll give you my experience. So I forgot it was going on. I was going to uh, uh, drop off food to uh, somebody. So I was kind of just driving through the area. I forgot about it. I was stopped by a blockade of uh, police and uh, Secret Service, like, alongside each other. And the street I was trying to go down was, like, in the middle of all this stuff. So I'm going through here in my, in my little car. I drive, like, a little like Kia, like, the, a very non-threatening vehicle. I'm just trying, I'm trying to go about my business. I, I get stopped by the Secret Service, and um, I, I, I roll down my window, and I say, hey, uh, I don't want any part of whatever this is. Can I just, is there a way for me to just kind of like drive through and just get, go, get to this restaurant? 
And they're very nice. They're very friendly. They're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just, 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 just knock yourself out. And obviously, everyone's very guarded at the time because as soon as I passed that guy, I went, I, I drove through probably like one of the like the biggest uh, tailgate slash protest thing I've ever, like, I've ever seen because there, there was a ton of uh, Trump supporters. They had these huge uh, vans with like billboards on the side of just like saying like bad things about Biden and just like weird pictures of him being creepy and stuff on the side. They're all like cheering and like waving Trump flags. And I drove through here. I'm like, is this what it's is this what's like it's, it's going on everywhere? Like for all of these uh, interviews, because it, 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 it's, it's got to be strange because instead, like I said, instead of just one like DNC big like stadium event, it's like a bunch of little tiny ones because like the amount of people is still pretty similar. There's a ton of people there. And then when Biden uh, finished his speech, there were fireworks and then all of his supporters were there celebrating in the streets, too. So it's like so there were a lot of people you're saying there was a ton of people. It was like I, a large I, gathering. Oh, yeah. I just drove through for five minutes. And I just I just had to get where I'm going to like just just get 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 to this restaurant real fast, and I I I left it like pretty much immediately, but yeah. I was I had to like I was directed through like this line of cones and cops and this kind of like checkpoint system just because they anticipated so many people being there. I'm like you might as well just have it in a stadium at that point because I think the if I'm not mistaken I think the Republican convention I think that's all in just one place too. So I'm sure they're trading just as many germs if not more, but like. I, I, I just I don't really understand why in this day and age we're still doing something like that. And it doesn't really make sense to me, like why what, what the need for that is. Is it really just like a song and dance that's like a ceremonial thing or is it beneficial to the election in any way? I mean, it's just it's ceremonial. It looks like, you know, I mean, we know how it's going to go. We know who's going to be the front runner. I mean, if it was a contested convention, then I could see the, the added value, you know. Is that but, I mean, losing it's, it's a media platform for people to make their acceptance speeches, basically. Right. I mean, I guess. But I mean, at that at that level, they have enough publicity where they can be on TV whenever they want, at any time of day, any day of the week. So once you got to well, that, I mean, it's it is it is like an event, you know. I mean, the way the way it's going to work is that there has to be like an event to cover, you know. Biden's not just going to I mean, well, Biden could potentially just go and say, hey, I'm going to speak in front of my house media. Come uh, come cover this. But uh, right. It seems event like, like each, the DNC is going to get more coverage naturally. Right. Like I said, it seems like uh, each respective party just like threw themselves a party. Like it's just like, yeah, celebrate me. I did it. Congratulations to me. Because I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously they, they wanted people to be socially distanced and this and that. But then why did you have fireworks? And then why did you have set it up for like yeah. a tailgate event? Back to back to Biden's speech. Honestly, there was, there was really some some interesting things he said. Um, so he said, "Quote: uh, Winning it for the generous among us, not the selfish. Winning it for the workers who keep the country going, not just a privileged few at the top. Winning it for those communities who have known the injustice of quote knee on the neck unquote. For all the young people who have known only uh, an America of rising inequity and shrinking opportunity." Uh, he says at another part of his speech, quote, because we don't need a tax code that rewards wealth more than it rewards work. I'm not looking to punish anyone far from it, but it's long past time the wealthiest people and the biggest corporations in this country paid their fair share, unquote. So his tone is really different than when he's speaking to um, wealthy donors. Uh, it was reported in June of last year that uh, Biden addressed a room of wealthy donors in uh, New York's Carlisle Hotel and... Uh, assured them that, quote, nothing would fundamentally change, unquote. Or I might be paraphrasing there. But yeah, I mean, 
what's what's the case here you know uh, i don't know we i mean i mean I, I don't know what to take from a speech like that because they all to me they all seem just like vague enough to i don't know apparently i read he, he didn't even address uh trump by name he would just keep referring to him as the current president which which, which is fine too like people are dr- drawing so many like uh like hidden meetings and stuff from all these like like stuff he's saying like oh how he's addressing the rich people how he's talking about the poor people I, i'm really like i said i i'm i'm really interested to see if he's actually gonna lean towards a, a specific policy like oh if i'm president i'm gonna do this because every democratic guy's like yeah we're gonna take stuff away from the big corporations or that we're going to tax the richest people more. But a lot of the times they don't speak to any specific bill that they want to bring with them. They don't really speak to any immediate legislation that they want to bring with them. And it's the same thing on the Republican side. Like, yeah, we want to work out, we want to make sure things are good for the working man, or we want to help out small businesses. But like, they're not really talking about anything specific either, especially in those speeches. Cause like something like a, like a state of the union address, that's another kind of speech where they're like, yep, Another year, we knocked it out of the park. We did great. Awesome, everybody. Good job. Keep it up. I'm doing great. See you later. Like, that's how they all are. It's not just like a Trump-specific thing or Obama-specific thing. There, it's, 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 it feels too ceremonial to me because it, it's almost talking about nothing. Yeah. But, all right. I don't know. I think it's just I'm, I'm in such a weird headspace because, like I said, we, we, we've been just smacked in the face by just like news so much in the last pr- pr- pretty much all year but it's 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 definitely kind of like reached like a boiling point where it's 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 kind of all just, just coming together and it's just, just it's just just too much it's overwhelming just just nonsense but yeah so uh the big takeaways is just the whole convention thing i don't really care for the whole format of it kamala harris lover hater she got like a i mean every, all, all these candidates have their own histories like like i said she she was like a district attorney for a while, she was very hard on uh, crime. She was like a prosecutor. She was she was very uh, she, she 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 was like one of those like three strikes prosecutors, and like she, she I'm sure she put people away for for life. She she uh, was uh, in trouble for the the whole working with like truancy uh, crime cases where she would like prosecute parents of kids that skip school, and people were very critical of her for that. At least with her own party. I'm, I'm sure she would have done great as a Republican with that whole uh, shtick, but um, her her biggest quote as like a like a DA was saying it is not progressive to be soft on crime, which is like super hardline uh, conservative, which is very yeah, interesting. I mean, like she was she was kind of like I don't know between uh, being a quote unquote progressive and uh, being a law and order. Yeah, because you know, Republican person. Republicans are always known as being like the law and order candidates or like the the hard on crime guys. Like, I mean, conservatives brought us like the war on drugs. Conservatives brought us a lot of uh, criminal oriented policy. That whereas you'd see like a liberal would be more on uh, reworking like prisons and like the judicial system to like help out people who were kind of like at the other end of this. But it's really interesting to see her coming in with this whole because like and 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 from her background with all this other stuff like this is the same candidate who had the the that little girl is me speech at the fucking like debates. Do you remember those two? I know. I actually I don't I don't think I remember them. But uh, it, it, was, it, it so feels like it was so long ago at this point. But I don't know. I think I'm just really just looking for just like a change. Is like I, this 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 election is not nearly like as funny 
as I thought it was going to be. Because, like I said, anytime like the the, the ruling, the, like the sitting president is up for re-election, the other party, whether it's Republican or Democrat, they're always acting like this election is the most important election that's ever happened in human history. We need to do this. People, it, it's, it's, it's the end of the world. I mean, it feels like the end of the world this year just because of all the virus stuff and protests and this and that. But there's a huge kind of uh, urgency putting on like unseating Donald Trump. I mean, take what you will from that, but like it's, it's, it's just very, (laughs) people act like this is like the most dire possible thing to happen, which is fine. But I mean, I I mean like they, I mean, in some, in some aspects. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got the pandemic and pandemic response. Uh, I mean, the U S is going to see a lot of restrictions on travel, you know? Well, yeah, no, I I might, I might be, I might be citizens coming into their country for tourism. Right. I, I might be overstepping like this. This this is probably a very important election, just given just the year and the time period that we live in. But like I said, this has been the shtick of every single party for every single election. That's why there's a huge push yeah. against um, third party politics, which uh, we touched on a little bit last episode. Where we were talking about like libertarianism uh, for liberals. There's like the Green Party. There's like uh, for, there, there's, there's, there's a, a whole other world of third party politics that aren't necessarily attached to hardline Republicans or Democrats. And it's really interesting because there's a huge push against them right now because anyone who's a Democrat is like saying like, Oh, a vote for a third party politician is a vote for Trump because even if you're same line, every election, if you vote for a third party, you're voting for the opposite candidate. Right. Right. Because they're, they're so afraid to lose the handful of votes for the people that are, I just I, I, I really don't like that rhetoric, not because I'm necessarily like super pro third party, but just because like if we don't vote for the third party or we don't give them some type of representation, they will never have any representation because they already get like what, like one percent of the total votes, if that. There's a monopoly on like acceptable political dialogue between the Republicans and the Democrats. A lot of the same policies are enshrined right. in it's both like a, parties. A lot of I mean, foreign policy, for example, doesn't change from one party to the next party. Right, right. They're like so. If if every like every election we're talking about, oh, if you vote third party, it takes away from like your closest like majority vote. It takes away from like uh, Biden if you're a Democrat, or it takes away from. Uh, Trump if you're uh, a conservative but honestly like there's never going to be a quote-unquote like good time to start investing in a third party there's never will be because you're always going to be hurting one or it's always going to be taking votes away from one so unless people start voting for the third parties that maybe represent them more or maybe that they agree with more you're never going to see it so we're going to be in the same boat four years from now when hey maybe we decide to vote for your green parties or your libertarian parties or your tea parties, even something crazy. If you vote for like, I, I think England has what, like the pirate party. They have like, there, there's like, there, I think yeah, a lot of Europeans have like the pirate party. Doesn't, doesn't like Greece have like a Nazi party, something like that. Like there's, there's Greece has like some, like a golden dawn, which is like, yeah, a, I'm not like saying like party, those individual parties are good or bad, whatever it is. But I'm saying is at least all the minority parties and all the minority groups have some sliver, some small, voice in the grand scheme of things i i, I, I mean I was like I, up, I hope i hope a fascist party doesn't spring up in the united states i that, made that a huge mistake a, saying nazi party last but i will i will <laughs> i yeah I, I hope i hope there is no nazi <laughs> or fascist party which is gaining political yeah we, sh- we should make it even though it that seems we are, we are very it anti-Nazi. seems like they would gain a lot of traction based on the current <laughs> political 
climate. Yeah. So, anyways, I, the, the whole the whole thing I'm getting out of this is like I, I was looking at uh I think it's like Germany. So they have like a parliamentary system with 709 seats, and the the majority party only has about 200 of those seats. So the rest of it is split between six other parties. So there are seven large political parties in Germany that are all have at least some form of representation in everyday politics in their parliament. And obviously, like, majorities will stand out. Some of them will take over. Some of them will be the seating, uh, I'm sorry, the, the sitting leader, whatever it is. But just the fact that we see seven as opposed to seeing two really gives more representation to all the people involved. Because, like, I don't think I'm a Democrat or Republican at all, really. I have some views that are very liberal, some views that are very conservative. But I can't think of a specific party that completely represents everything I believe. And I don't think there will be for for, for uh, a, a lot of different reasons. But I think for the most part, signing off on one just because it's close to a couple things you like is really hurting a majority of your beliefs. It's hurting the majority of because you're at the mercy of everything, every bad thing that party does, too. You know what I mean? So if you voted for uh, Obama because you wanted a step away from like the George Bush era and you wanted a step away from the uh, just that whole regime with uh, the Iraq war and you wanted maybe to see something uh, done better socially, you wanted maybe you just wanted to see the first black president. That's fine, too. But you also signed off on everything he does. He, he was also known to help. He, he deported more people than any other president in the 20th century. He deported it was like two point five million people in between like 2015 uh, and 2019. He had more drone strikes, obviously. He's going to go down in history as, like, the drone president when all this is said and done. So there's there's so much uh, that goes in with just everything good that uh, Obama has done. Oh, hang on one second. Let me... Yeah, and you can also say that for the conservative side as well. Like, people who voted for uh, George Bush, Sr. or uh, George W. Bush, they, they could be on board for, like, the foreign policy. They could be on board for the... the the, the, the strides in the, the economy, stuff like that. But you're also at the mercy of Katrina. You're also at the mercy of the Gulf War, the war on uh, the, the war on terror. You're also at the mercy of pretty much everything that's on there. And I mean, you, you could say that for any candidate who gets elected, obviously. But when you vote purely based on the party or just because the party's kind of the closest thing to you, it's really it really hurts the majority of the people. Because, like I said, I, I think we're in a day and age when. Democrats and Republicans don't really represent people the way that they might have done 50 years ago or even or even 20 years ago. I feel like, yeah, people are definitely starting to realize that uh, the major parties like Democrats and Republicans don't really, you know, align with their views. I, I don't know any young people who are proud Democrats or proud Republicans. Maybe all some older people are, but, but from my young friends, not really. Um, an interesting thing is that the left has been really trying to... Uh, I guess, say, hey, you know, we should get Biden elected. And, you know, from day one of his presidency, we're going to be calling him out on all the dumb stuff he's going to do. I mean, really, just the left right now is just, I don't know, I feel like people are reluctantly supporting Biden because they prefer him to Trump, but they're going to keep fighting even if he's elected. There really just I needs to be a leftist party. eating themselves. There, there needs to be, I mean, like, yeah, you there's, there's an argument to be made that different faction of the left are eating themselves you know but there really has to be like a, a a different leftist party in the united states like the democrats are not leftists at all there has to be like i don't know i guess a 
all the people who you're, are you're, left. You're talking about a further a further left than the Democrat uh, the Democratic Party is. Yeah, like all the people who are like left on the of scale. Democrat, you know, should probably start making a party based on what they can agree about. But then again, you know, I don't know, Alex. You should be you should be careful what you say because you're talking about. <gasps> Maybe another third party, and that's divisive because I, I assume both of the factions you're talking about are very anti-Trump right now, or both of the factions you're talking about are maybe very anti-conservative. But wouldn't wouldn't you say those votes might go better together? Well, Which is fucking another stupid argument. Well, yeah, I mean it's the, the Democrats same, are going to make the argument that say, "Hey, if you don't vote for Biden, you're voting for Trump." Yeah, they're like, yeah, if if it's it's like a, it's a shit sandwich either way, but bite our end of it because it's slightly less shitty. I like, mean, you know, I could I say, that. I mean, I we could so make much. the argument, "Hey, but I'm not voting for Trump, therefore I am voting for Biden." Well, I would say math disagrees with you there, just because, <laughs> <laughs> just because for him to him to lose, he has to have less votes than whoever the winner is, and if the winner does not have I guess those votes, then it's 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 like people like blamed uh, was it Ralph Nader for uh, what what's his name uh, Al Gore losing in was it two thousand yeah, yeah yeah Nader was blamed or two thousand was uh I don't, I don't remember no no it was two thousand two thousand was John two thousand four was John Kerry two thousand was Al Gore he yeah, ran yeah. again probably I think go. he ran like twice in a row for the Green Party right Ralph Nader ran like four times he's the best yeah <laughs> he's he's awesome but um. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think we have to break away from the idea that we can be dependent on one party or the other. Because, like, at the end of the day, they're both going to let you down to some degree. They're both going to promise things that they can't keep. I mean, that's just politics in general. But there's – it's just – it's very – I think if, if we really break it down, Democrats and Republicans would rather lose in a two-party system than have to compete – in a multiple party system, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I really think that. Uh, I don't know. I think the Democrats. I, I don't know. I, I really feel that if Bernie was the front runner right now, we'd have a completely different landscape. Even though I will admit Joe Biden has a better chance right now than he did maybe when he was getting the nomination. I feel like things have not been going well for Trump. Trump's in a in a more That's difficult fair. position. That's fair. But uh, yeah, when he first got it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a shit show. Trump is going to destroy him in the debates. Biden's not really, I don't know, people aren't really excited about Biden. I don't know. I think this is kind of the time when Trump really shines because you can say what you want about him as a current president or sitting president or whatever, but his real strength was him as a candidate. I sincerely believe that the position of a president is distinctly different from what a political candidate is because a political candidate is a performer. They're a salesman. They're trying to promise something that will never see the light of day as a president because there's so much different stuff involved with actually being the president, winning the presidency and being the actual president of the United States are very different things. So we have people that could be weak candidates who would make great presidents and you would never know because they'll never reach that height. And we have people that are great candidates that could be terrible presidents. And I think a lot of that is just like, – like, like, like we'll take Trump, for example. We, we said he, he was – there's a lot to be said about his current presidency. But him running for president was just insulting people, getting on the news all the time, putting his face out there. He would stir up so much shit, so much drama, so much just, uh, just buzz that he, he'll, he'll be mentioned more times and noticed more times than any other candidate will, whether you like him or hate him. You know what I mean? 
I mean, like, so, you, know, you know, what he did, what he did right was, I mean, like, Trump doesn't, Trump, he's, he's never really, like, worked a labor job a day in his life, but he wants to, you know, portray himself as a champion of the working class, you know? And the Democrats right, right. say they're he's champions from, like, of the working class, but... He's like a game show host but, background, you know what I mean? He's like a, he's like a billionaire, like, real estate guy yeah, or something. How, how is he a champion and of the working he class? Like a, he, he's criticizing people for funding elections. Meanwhile, he says, yeah, I funded elections before. So... Right, right. I mean, I don't so, know. I so, think so the, the, what, what I'm saying, him, him as the candidate, he can kind of get away with just like blatantly lying or promising things that he's not going to keep because him as a president really has nothing to do with that. Because once, like, like I said, he he talked about a wall for two years that has still not gone up. He talked about <laughs> a lot of things in his candidacy that he just forgot about <laughs> now. What the but left that, that wasn't important. What the left needs is a candidate that can, you know, insult people, that can, you know, call people out on their bullshit, be aggressive, you know, because honestly, that's what people want. People in the country are angry. People are suffering due to their economic uh, conditions and they're mad and they need somebody who's going to fight for them. So basically, like, I think I think if the left had like a guy similar to Donald Trump in in the sense that he was calling people out, he was being aggressive, he was attacking, he was throwing punches, you know then I think that would be a bit more effective. You know, this all of this, you know, respectability or like civility when it comes to dialogue and everything. While some people might think, oh, it's the admirable thing to do or this is the way that politics should be or the president should sound like the president. I mean, you need to relate to people and you need to relate to your base. And there's a lot of angry people out there. So if you want to be the champion of the working class on the left, you need to you need to start, you know, I guess, getting more aggressive in in your rhetoric against the other candidate. Well, I think... I think regardless of what you think about politics, I think we can both agree that for sure, without a doubt, that these debates are going to be an absolute shit show. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like it's two old to, men in the in the retirement home arguing be over the microphone. It's going to be a mess. Over, over, arguing over the remote control, yeah. I don't care if you're a Republican guy. I don't care if you're a Democratic guy. This is going to be a mess. It's going to be bad. Like I, I can't think of a worse format for these two to have. Than an active one-on-one debate, I can't think of one. It's funny because it's like off it's two senile old men, but like Donald Trump has a lot more confidence, so he can hide his senility. Well, that's what I'm a saying. This is his time to shine. And because, like Biden's just yeah. like outwardly senile, like he he will have a right, lot of gaffes right. in his speech. Right. So I think um, <laughs> Biden will mess up if he tries to come in with a bunch of facts and stats and stuff because Trump doesn't care about any of that. He will just can call you like sleepy joe or creepy joe or something like that and just keep it moving and like i said this is where he shines because he's not dependent on the things that other candidates are dependent on like other candidates want to make sure they get the facts right other candidates want to make sure uh they are respectful or they hold a certain uh presidential air while they're on the way to the presidency trump's like nah i'm gonna call this guy stupid or ugly or something like that and kind of just propel himself further away from you and just like belittle people and put people down and, and win the debate that way which is as we've seen, a good strategy if we were talking about four years ago. But for now, it's going to, like I said, I think it's going to be a mess just because there's so much to unpack with all the issues that these two have individually. I, I, I don't even know if I want to watch whatever this debate is going to be because it's I, there's going to be nothing constructive we can get out of it. You know what I mean? Like I said, no one's on the fence. No one's changing their mind based on any of these debates. No one's like, oh, well, Biden had a great point here. He won my vote. I think everyone's pretty much either their mind is made up or they're just... 
not participating. I do think that there are people who are, you know, waiting to see what, you know, what each candidate's going to say. I mean, I've spoken to people in the Midwest who, you know, are on the fence. You know, there are swing voters out there who want to hear what each candidate's going to say. But it's more like, what are you going to do amazing. for me? Yes. How are you going to improve my life? You know, but right, other right. than that, you know, I think most people in the country have made up their minds on whether they want to vote for Biden or Trump or not vote at all or. I mean, there are people who vote right. third party, but I think they're very thin and few. Right, right. Like I talked about not liking the two party system, and I talked about like not wanting to choose between uh, Trump or Biden, stuff like that. But it's definitely interesting to see someone just in general on the fence in twenty twenty for any reason, just because it's one thing to like not like the system that brought these two people to the front the front seat it's one thing to like oh yeah I don't, I don't like the circumstances that came about where we have to choose between trump and biden yeah but it's another thing to like just kind of like bow out completely and just be like ah i could go either way i don't even know which one i'm closest to like people know kind of where they align politically whether they're more in line with this guy or that guy i can't i i i don't know if i can even I, i'm like i said you, you've met them obviously but i don't even know how to picture someone like that who's like choosing now whether they want trump or biden yeah i mean yeah, I've met them. You know, there there are people in the Midwest who are trying to make up their mind about whether they like Trump or Biden. I guess or there are people all over the country, I mean, through extension probably, that are swing voters, you know. But I guess mostly people want to hear what they're going to get out of it. How is their life going to change from each one? And I don't know. I guess for me, I'm pretty cynical. Things will be different. I, I'm pretty sure each candidate might have their own differences and everything. But I don't know. At the end of the day, there are certain you know, what's it called? Elites who are going to have their interests protected over the interest of the majority of people right, in the country right. based on how, you know, it's, the party, who's the party aligned to or who's, who, who are the allies of the party? It's it's exhausting either way because, like, once you're at that level, there's so much resting on what the presidency is and what they're expected to align with, what they're expected to protect and all that. And just think about, like, just the checks and balances system that we have it's not built for any type of compromise. It's not built for any type of discourse or anything like that. People say th there's been like a running narrative that like, oh, nothing ever gets done in Congress. Well, that's because Congress isn't even ruled by two party system. It's ruled by one party. It's just whatever the majority party is in Congress. And if they disagree with whoever the president is at that time, they're just not going to push any bills through. They're not going to like people like, oh, we should we should uh, find find Congress for not getting anything done or we should uh, have them on unemployment if they're not going to pass bills or push forward this legislation like it's really whoever has the most votes they're just going to sit on whatever they want until they align with whoever the president is and it's it's we're not even talking about two parties anymore we're just talking about just the one that has slightly more votes than whoever the next one is or slightly more seats in the house or congress or wherever it is and it's it's embarrassing to even call it that because like we talk about veto power, we talk about oh the president can it's very important for the presidency because he can bring in the next Supreme Court justice. And even that's crazy too, because we, we don't just have quote unquote impartial judges now. We have conservative leaning judges, we have liberal leaning judges, which I don't even think that should be ethically a thing. If you're a judge, you should be about as impartial as you can get. And it's I think it's absolutely crazy, like just the weight that this one guy has or doesn't have on just the entire country. Because even just the, the Supreme Court thing, those guys have that seat for life. So if everyone who is on a Supreme Court justice has some weird reptilian blood and they just live forever, 
that's who we got. If it's five conservative and four liberal or three this way, three that way, that's who we have forever. Yeah, I mean, like, funny thing is when they're getting uh, the hearings before Congress, they try to market themselves as, you know, bipartisan or, you know, not conservative or liberal because they they need to get a certain amount of support from the... All good? The part in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to get a certain amount of support in order to get to become a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, I mean... It just puts a bad taste in my mouth, just kind of like having to accept all of this the way that it is. Just, just really, just really, just dries up my freaking wet ass p word. You know what I mean? It just. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little side note: we are probably late to the party. We're probably like a week out from the whole <laughs> Ben Shapiro uh, WAP uh, video where he just reacted to was it Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion just making. Just, just, just fantastic strides in uh, women's empowerment and just a lot of... Uh, this P word is wet. Come take a dive. Just come take a dive, Alex. But, I mean, I, it's just such a weird week for news, such a weird week for all this. Everything's just, like I said, everything's kind of happening at once. This is a great year. This is, uh, it's interesting, you know? Yeah. I should just use some of these soundboard stuff while we are talking about the Congress, so I could just be like... There's some whores in this house. Think about that, man. Now it's got a double meaning. What if Cardi B was actually talking about Congress and the sexual allegations against those members of Congress. So now when people say... There's some whores in this house. They actually mean that Epstein didn't kill himself. Think about that. Wow, that's like, that's a little too deep for me to understand, I think. Yeah, yeah. And when, and when people say... Extra large and extra hard. We might be talking about the gridlock that Congress gets in when they don't have the two-thirds majority vote to push a bill through that maybe a lot of people could benefit from, you know? Wow, there's so many layers to that. But I I, I, uh, I, I can't really talk too much on the whole <laughs> ben, ben Shapiro video. People were very upset that uh, they were like, oh, this song is like super vulgar, and this is a, this is disgusting. Women should be talking this way. And yeah, like the low-hanging fruit is be like, well, male rappers say, say dirty stuff too. But like neither of those people really listen to rap music. It's just... Rappers say dirty stuff all the time. Like every, every, since, since, since rap started, like, I don't know, since, well, rap as we know, like popular in like the 80s and 90s, it's been super dirty all the time. It's been hilarious. It's been a great time. It's been very provocative from the start. Like it's the same way like rock music has. It's always been like that. And yeah, I mean, talking about sex how, and music is nothing new, you know, and people it's been going coming on out of forever. the woodworks I mean, to be like, oh, uh, Cardi B and uh, Nicki Minaj are being really explicit i mean like wh- where were you for i mean like this is it's normal yeah. for for songs to talk about this stuff you know why are you suddenly yeah. offended yeah Nicki Nicki minaj was quoted <laughs> what, what was her lines like i'm gonna put my pussy on your sideburns <laughs> that's just that's just sheer art right there that's what i want <laughs> speaking of which i don't even know if i introduced this right way because my mic kind of cut out but uh that opening song that was <laughs> just talking a about bit rap. just a bit you know explicit wasn't it <laughs> The opening song that we had was uh, it's called I Don't Even Smoke by uh, the rap duo PDX Craze or PD and Craze or PD and Craze. Um, I actually know uh, one of those guys, PD. I, I, I work with him for a few years. He's, he's, I, I, he's a friend of mine, but he, he, he's, he's a rapper. He's doing great things. I wanted to get a variety of music on this thing. I'm like, oh, what perfect timing. We can talk about. Just, 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 whap, whap, whip, hip hop anonymous. But I mean, 
I, I so originally we were supposed to get him to put his music on our, our drinking episode. And I messaged him like kind of like late in the day, like, hey, you want to put some music on? And he was like, yeah. And I think he just like fell asleep because we were just drinking a lot by then. And I'm like, this is this is fitting. We're talking about politics. We're talking about Joe Biden. We're talking about Kamala Harris. We can we can we can really uh, spruce things up. I mean, this, this, people hate politics. People want to talk about exciting stuff. They want to talk about rap. They want to talk about dirty stuff. Speaking of dirty stuff, um, what's his name? Petey, I follow him on Twitter. And I will say he's very uh, open, I guess, sexually. Yeah. Because he's constantly, like, retweeting just straight-up pornography on, on his Twitter all the time. <laughs> just, like, videos of porn. And I think he is just representative of a lot of other artists in his field. Maybe maybe, maybe wet-ass pussy really is on the mind a lot, and they just have to get it out into song form, you know? <laughs> I think it's... <laughs> I think it's great because I, I I'm never like seeking this stuff out, especially like on Twitter. So I'll be like out going to the grocery store or something like that, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, that is hard, hard, hardcore sex." On 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 Twitter, he's like, "Yep, it's one of those mornings." I'm like, "No, it's not. No, it's not one of those mornings." <laughs> I feel like, dude, I'm at the grocery store. You can't you can't you can't put the stuff on Twitter right now. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't well, know. I don't like, know, man. Who's posting that stuff on social media? I think like 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 I, w- w- you were talking to me about this before. Like you we talk about like they have like porn videos now, and there's like a share option. Yeah, like, like who's first of all like if I mean, I, why do why do porn videos have a share option? Right? If you who wants to share <laughs> that onto their social media? Yeah, man. I think <laughs> I think it's really interesting because like it, it should be an so, end your career so button, basically. Yeah, yeah. They're so confident in their product. They're like, oh yeah. Not only are you going to like this video, but you're going to want to show this <laughs> to all your buddies, which is going to be <laughs> interesting. But yeah, speaking of politicians, there are a lot of politicians that got like in trouble for like liking these weird uh, uh, pornography like videos and stuff on Twitter. And like, yeah, people could see that. This is like your public Twitter account or like whatever the Twitter account you're using for like to tweet out like <laughs> candidacy stuff and like the office and all that stuff. So it's really, <laughs> I, I guess it's like another old man trait. Like people think the internet isn't real and people can't see what you're doing on the internet. Like it's just like, it'll be like three in the morning. Like old politicians are like liking all these videos and that could have been retweeted by our boy Petey. Old dudes who can't use the internet are just, it's great. Honestly, just liking the worst things, retweeting the worst things, not knowing how to use Google typing in questions onto their tweet feed. Yeah. But I don't know this, this, this whole week has been just heavy Wanted to lighten the mood a little bit with some just dirt, dirty, 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 dirty stuff, you know? Wet ass P word. You know what I mean? Yeah. This P word is wet. Come take a dive. <laughs> That's what we all need right now. We need to take a dive. A leap of faith, if you will. To choose between the light and the dark, as Joe Biden was saying. <laughs> what does that P stand for, huh? What is the P word? So, <laughs> there's an explicit version of the song and maybe for today a clean version it's politics right and then there's the ben shapiro version where you can just say p word p stands for uh pr- progressive uh I- ideological I, don't, I have no idea I, I i can't finish that but um wet ass p word i think it's I, I think i like his version better i think i i i, I don't want to just side with a white man on this one but i'm very I, I think it's so awkward and weird that it just it really works for me there's some whores in this house. Indeed. Indeed. But I don't know, man. Um, this this episode is fucking dense. 
not just talk about like lengthwise, just a lot to digest. Politics are fucked, man. I'm just, I'm over it. We need, yeah. we need a light one next week. We got, we, 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 we got to, we got to bring down some of the, the tension, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think about this one? I think we're good. I think, uh, I think we made good use of, uh, Ben Shapiro's, uh, uncomfortable nature with his sexuality uh, I disagree. His, I don't think we used it failing, We should have utilized it throughout. Possibly failing marriage. Good. Uh, good look into that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know too much about him. Like personally, I don't. I don't. I don't follow any of his stuff or anything. I just really like that video, and I put it on a soundboard. So now it's immortalized forever. <laughs> but um, on that note, I think we could probably start wrapping this up. Uh, we didn't talk about anything. We didn't talk about our social media stuff. Uh, if if you want, if you think Alex and I are dumb or we're wrong in any stuff we're saying, we welcome it. We'd actually like you to reach out and comment to us. You can email us at the midnight climax at gmail.com. Honestly, if it's really good or it's really uh, biting, provocative stuff, we can put it on the show. Uh, you you can try to debate us or whatever. Or you can try to uh, make comments or add to the conversation. Or if you we think you're really great and you we think we can try to reach out to you, maybe we can have you on the show. We can you could be a guest on the show and just call us both stupid. That'd be great too. But um, I, I am very open to the idea that Alex and I are full of shit. So any disclaimers there, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, email us at themidnightclimax at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Climax Midnight. Um, follow uh, Alex and his... Uh, Wet ass P word. Just all over the, the internet. Um, he's kind of just been on a rampage just parading his... Uh, no, that, there's and, there are no videos of me on the internet, and and his and his and his no, genitalia and various. This, uh, this is false. So we talked we talked last week about um, a little bit of the possible like provocative nature of uh, politicians going on. It's really a front to just hide from Alex and his really just sexual liberation. He's blossoming as a uh, performer. I would say. That's, that's false. I'm in no way a performer involved in such uh, practices. Indeed. I don't know. I'll play back the tape. I'll, I'll, I'll have to see it for myself. But otherwise, I think uh, I think that's about it for now. Um, we are going to continue with the PD and Craze little uh, rampage here. We got another song for you. It, <laughs> I, I, he, he sent me this one, so I, I can't really uh, – th- th- this wasn't one I picked. It's a great song. But it is called uh, Broke N-Word Anthem, and I think it's delightful. I will say that. But otherwise, uh, this is uh, me and Alex. This is uh, Midnight Climax, and we will see you. Where is this? Yeah, I think we'll just see you around, man. Take care.
we broke, stay broke. Rich niggas go to sleep, obviously broke niggas stay woke. I do not give a fuck, my dick broke. That water my Kool-Aid, but Fiji and Polish break. Been broke, shit feel no more, but one day they gon' know my name. One day I'ma be the king, shorty said she want a wedding ring. Funny cause I can't afford a thing, and I don't even really want a thing. But broke nigga get paid, broke nigga get paid. 